Hello and welcome to this special joint presentation between the Columbus Bar Association and the Reminger Report podcast on emerging technologies. This is going to be our first episode in a series we're going to be putting on where we'll be discussing emojis and the importance of emojis in the modern practice of law. Now, emojis are a pictographic language that has taken on a, an outsized importance in the modern world where more communication is happening digitally than face-to-face. -face. Disputes concerning emojis and what they mean can arise in lots of different legal contexts, whether that's if a thumbs up in a text message means I'm accepting your contract, or if a squirt gun emoji in an instant message can constitute a threat of violence and potentially lead to a criminal sanction. Uh, these types of questions are becoming more and more commonplace, and that's why it's important for uh, attorneys to stay abreast of these issues and, and know what they're dealing with as it's increasingly likely that they will see emojis come up in their practice. Now, it may be helpful if we take a, a quick step back and, and give just a brief explanation about what emojis are. Now, <clears throat> I was surprised to learn that the word emoji uh, doesn't have anything to do with uh, the English word emotion. Uh, emoji is actually just a combination of the Japanese word for character and picture. So essentially emoji is just the Japanese word for pictograph. Um, modern emojis have their origins, as I said, in Japan, with the first complete set of emojis being created in the mid-1990s by a designer at a Japanese telecommunications company. But modern emoji are really a continuation of emoticons, which people are likely familiar with, which is just making a facial expression using um, symbols or characters on a keyboard. You can think of a, a colon followed by a closed parentheses to make a smiley face. Now, the use of emoticons became very commonplace again in the 90s as more people started to communicate digitally. But the origins of using emoticons actually dates back hundreds of years uh, to when the first you know, printed uh, communications were taking place. So this is something that's been around for a very long time, but is gaining more and more and more importance as more things happen digitally and less things happen face to face. Tim, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I run a local company called Only in Seabus, which is a I call it digital media. We do everything from local news to um, entertainment. We make products, things like that. But my main goal is to really have as close of a touch as I can to like what's going on in the city and trying to help people that live here access things they would be interested in. So not just big brands, big media, stuff like that. More of like finding out about who's doing what, how they're doing it. And, uh, you know, I always use the example, I love cookies. I want to find out who's got the best cookies. So however I figure that out, that's great. So I want to be that conduit for people to find whatever they're looking for. And that, that process of, you know, sort of relaying information to the larger community, mm -hmm. I would assume that that requires like a substantial amount of communicating through online platforms. Would that yeah, be? yeah, almost com exclusively. All right, what, is that, what does that process look like usually? Um, I mean, there's a lot of communicating with people to figure out what's going on, confirming information because you don't want to. Trust is the biggest thing, right? Once you say something that's false or report something incorrectly, 
the trust is lost, right? There was one example when a couple years ago, there was a plant or something with the, with the water treatment that had an issue. And so people throughout the city were potentially drinking like poisonous water and we couldn't find it anywhere. Like I got reached out, somebody in the city told me about it and spent all this time figuring it out and then confirmed what was going on and then got that information out, right? And so a bunch of people since then have told me like, uh, you know, I didn't hear about that anywhere else. It was like a boil water advisory. So the, the research is a big thing behind it, right? Like when you hear about something, you can't just be like instant, put it out. You have to go find out, okay, what is the actual story here? How accurate is that? And then portraying it with, with um, some personality, I think, without completely skewing the story to fit your desire, you know? Because sure. sometimes I report on things that I don't agree with or that makes me mad and, and I have to, have to share the information in a way that's, I'm still human, but it's not like, you can tell a story multiple ways, right? And uh, trying to just get the information out. Yeah, and it, it sounds like uh, there's really a focus for you on providing information and providing value, not just mm -hmm. you as a character, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that was a big thing when I started the company. Yeah, I played music uh, professionally for a long time. A little success, a lot of failure in it. And a lot of times people, it, you make it about yourself, right? And a lot of times people like things, like you see a movie because of who's in it, not because of the character they play, right? I love this person, I wanna do that thing, or I hate this person, I don't like that thing, even if it's good. And I experienced both sides of that with the, with the, the band world and stuff. And with this, I wanted to create a brand that had a personality, because most of the times the owners of a company, Elon Musk, have way bigger following than their company you know, Tesla or SpaceX. Same with Apple. Tim Cook, the CEO, has a way bigger following than, than Apple. I wanted to create the Apple that had the personality of the owner without it all being about my face. I didn't want you to follow because you loved me, and I didn't want you to not follow because you didn't like me, which I'm probably more likely. <laughs> um, and so creating something that had, that you felt like you were interacting with personality and not just a, a logo or a wall. And, um I know the answer to this, but just for our listeners, viewers here, where are the, the platforms that you do this communicating? Um, the, one of the largest is, is Instagram. Um, we use email. I have a, a weekly newsletter, which has been a lot of fun. That's a long form. We're able to get way more information out, show a lot more personality in that. Uh, with Instagram and social in general, you have to be shorter, and it's sometimes hard to tell tone. I like to joke a lot. And I like to poke fun at myself, and in this instance, the city, right? Because you can love something and be critical of it. Like, I want it to get better. Same with the crew. I'm a huge fan of the crew, and we, po we point out when there are areas that could be improved. That doesn't mean I hate them. Um, and I do that with the city, and then people are like, wow, and they this big uproar. Um, and so communicating your tone and when it's a joke in short form can be difficult. So mainly uh, through social and the, the newsletter, the email newsletter, those are the main channels where they and, consume. And you kind of hit on um, the, uh, the topic that we're mm -hmm. here for, right? Um, it, you know, finding ways to put nuance and emotion into what can otherwise be a very dry means of communicating, right? If I send an email or I put a yeah. post on social media and it's just texts or just text and, and characters, it can be hard to figure out what, you know, the sense of what I'm actually trying to yeah, say is. Absolutely. So how do you overcome that problem? That's tough. I mean, I use, I try to use cadence and, and, uh, and the way that you craft the words to either communicate clearly that you're joking or sometimes the use of emoji, you know, with a little laughing face or crying face at the end of something to let, try to, you know, 
give some hint that I'm not entirely serious with this statement. Uh, for example, I just put something out. There's a there's a a couple accounts that are huge on the internet that poke fun at Ohio, and so we like to come back at that kind of stuff. And sometimes they're not entirely wrong, and so people take what we're saying. Um, I took this photo of the skyline years ago, and a couple big accounts used it, and it was like the best thing to do in Ohio: leave, right? And it was that's hilarious. I obviously am here. I love the city. I shared that. I would say 95% of the people understood it was satire. Um, it was just funny that I took the photo that they used to shame the city. I just found a lot of comedy in that, and some people were like you shouldn't be doing the, you know, just coming after me. So it's not a win, but uh, it's not always a, a win, but using some, some nuance in the, in the way that you say it, some very clear sarcasm to try to let you know that it's joking, um, or just consistency in a, in a tone and people learn, you know, there's some stuff I say over and over and over again that people catch on sometimes. And, you know, in, in getting ready to talk about this topic, a thing that was interesting that I found out, um, is that the research has shown is that when you're talking to someone face to face, almost half of the information that's relayed comes from nonverbal cues. Yeah. It comes from the tone of your voice, how you're standing, your facial expressions. Yeah. Obviously, you know, you've got these micro expressions. How are your eyes shaped? How, are, how is your mouth shaped when you're communicating? And you lose that in text. And, and it yeah. sounds like you've kind of found some ways to recreate um, those, that nuance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of it's how you look too. People will just, ins I mean, we're, we're in the Columbus, uh, you know, law office. Three people on my way up asked me if I was here for a background check. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, well, that yeah, makes sense. That's how I look, you know, probably compared to what would normally walk through the door and how you dress. So there's definitely a, when you're behind not only um, the internet wall, but then also your face is not the main thing. You know, every now, I, I don't make sure, I don't completely avoid putting my face out there. I just don't go out of my way to, to make it about me. You know, people are like, you're an influencer. And I'm like, I don't want it. The, the term influencer is so holding a can next to your face and like, you know, making it all about you. And it's, I call it a suggester, right? I'm just like, here is some information. Do with it what you will. You know, I went here and I loved it. You might not, you know? Um, and so making it more about the story and less about how I look or present myself, it helps in some areas. But like you're saying, the, the nonverbal cues get lost in that. So if I'm a very sarcastic person, people might take some of the stuff I say as like very serious and uh, that's too bad. <laughs> so on, on that point of, I think, I think sarcasm is probably the best example, right? That's yeah. the toughest thing to pull mm -hmm. off just through text. Can you give us just some example, you know, how would you maybe use an emoji to relay that something was, was sarcastic or that it was a joke? I think stretching out the letters of something to try to recreate how you would say it is one thing. Um, for example, I just shared another like joke about Columbus uh, this morning. And at the end of it, I put like a laughing face and a crying face. So it's like, I'm joking, but also there's some accuracy to this, right? And so I think it's like using a little bit of um, exaggeration in emotion. What helps to kind of, you fall somewhere between there. Because if I just put out the information or the joke with no reaction and my delivery obviously is via typing not the way I'm talking so using those emojis to to kind of exaggerate at the end is probably the thing I do the most and and tell me if you would would agree with this because I think I've found this to be true I I am not from the generation that grew up using emojis like same that. it is something that you know I have 
found in adult life, right? But I think that there's something intuitive about it. I think especially, as you mentioned, you know, using multiple emojis, kind of, you add them up in your mind. It's not something where you need to go look up, okay, he's got three smiley faces, two yeah. crying faces. What, what, are the, what does that add up to? I think it, there is something natural about it that you can communicate. Yeah, I think some of it comes from the generation too. I'm gonna sound like such a get off my lawn guy, but we grew up in a very um, transitional area from when I was in high school, you know, the internet was coming out and we had dial up AOL at home and I had to run home and get on AIM to talk to my friends. Hopefully the people are old enough to know what the <laughs> hell I'm talking about. But, you know, I went from that to working, running my business from a phone three to four years after I got out of high school, you know? So like that transition was such a huge change in communication that I think we still had that translation from in-person communication to the phone. Whereas kids today, like my youngest sister is 27 and she's like on the older end of, you know, kids. And so it's crazy to see 16 year olds, 18 year olds. And I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? It could, because they grew up from day one, having the whole world in their pocket and developed a different communication. I think ours was like the first transition from face-to-face -face communication to digital. And now they're in like the third and second and third edition of digital evolving. You know, it's almost like the AI becoming self-aware, <laughs> like these kids, the stuff that they're saying online. So we were in a weird time that I think emojis coming from emoticons, coming from a simple form of needing to get even Twitter, 140 characters when I was a, when I was a kid and now they've got 280. So they, it's just, there's way more. So we had to be very precise and concise with the words. And I think um, using emoji to try to communicate that from the real world to the digital was something a little bit older people had to learn more, I guess, than now. Mm -hmm. and, and I think um, you, you mentioning the Twitter character limit, that, that was the text character limit. Like if you were going to send a text to somebody, right? Mm -hmm. 140 was, that was one text. And that message. included your link too. Like that wasn't, uh, like you had to get it all in there. Right, right. And that, I think that's probably some useful skills um, mm -hmm. that, that people from our sort of age demographic picked up mm -hmm. in the process there. Yeah, how do you get your information and your point across quickly and effectively? Yeah, and <clears throat> so talking about, as you mentioned, the younger generation, this is just, there's nothing unusual about it. There's nothing unusual to, you know, people under 25 or even younger. They do all their communication and business on their phone mm -hmm. and, and handle things that way. Whereas I think you look at people who are over 40, over 50, they still have place a lot of value in a face-to-face -face meeting and a handshake yeah. uh, where the younger generation maybe doesn't have the same importance put on that. So. Is that something that you see, I imagine, in your space, in your business, that, that business opportunities are maybe presented to you online occasionally? They are. I'm definitely not the norm in that I would prefer to sit in a room with somebody. I like to feel like how it's going to gel, how it's going to vibe. I get a lot of people that reach out and they're like, send me your price sheet or send me this. And I'm like, no, let's have a conversation and talk. Like, what are we trying to accomplish? But I, I think I'm very much in the minority there. Um, and also my kind of channel I've carved out is very weird. People are confused. Like, what do you do? What, it, you know, they just don't, you can't just easily pin it down mm -hmm. and getting in a room with somebody and helping them to understand how I can be valuable to them is so much easier in a conversation than just like uh, an email or whatever. Obviously we do tons of work online, tons of work, tons of contracts, stuff like that. I'm just a little bit more old school and that I would like to sit down for 10, 15 minutes 
even if we can't, I do, I try to do video calls with people and just understand like where, what are you trying to accomplish and how do we go about that, you know? And I think there's, it's so fast paced with it being online. And I'm like, let's just like take a second and, and like figure it out. And so I, I like that a lot. Um, I find that there's a lot of people who don't. They like don't want to turn. I just worked with a company for six months, and nobody turned their cameras on. We would have meetings on like you know whatever uh, Teams or Zoom and all that stuff, and it would be I'd be the only one with the camera on. And I'm like, why? Like why are we doing this? You know? And so I think there's I think there's still some value in the face to face, but it's it's a lot easier to just email or text or whatever. Right, and that's almost a, an interesting side effect of the pandemic and us all being locked in our yeah. houses for two years is we now, everyone knows how to use Zoom. Everyone mm -hmm. knows how to hop on Microsoft Teams and have a meeting mm -hmm. where you do have the opportunity to see each other's faces if people turn their cameras on. Yeah, and there's a lot of value in that, don't get me wrong, but just sitting in the same room with somebody and, and kind of communicating is, nothing will ever replace that. But that, that video chat is definitely the close second versus e emails are the hardest because people just don't, again, with the tone, you know, you can like, I, I like to joke. And if I'm not making like bad jokes, it's just like, I, I'm not a very serious person. And so when they have like these super serious emails, I'm like almost uncomfortable in them. I'm like, eh, I don't like this. Yeah. And, and even emojis have their use, right, to, to show that you're joking. But mm -hmm. sometimes even using one in an email can... Yeah. be difficult right Is i definitely do it yeah i definitely do it um I de I'll, I'll drop a thank you which i found out the hands are praying i thought this was like a thank you thing and i'll drop a heart every now and then when somebody if i have to change a time on somebody or somebody does something to accommodate and i'll be like you know thank you and give them give them a little heart i i think i think of that as the best example of um maybe the easiest way to explain how emojis can be used to convey tone is like a text message where you say i can't make it tonight if you just send that mm -hmm. on its own it just sounds like I, hey i didn't want to show up but mm -hmm. i can't make it tonight in a sad face yeah or like a, a breaking heart you really know like oh this person wanted to come and yeah. something came up and they can't it it changes the tone of the, of that a very simple message just with that one little addition puts a little personality behind a statement right yeah right that's very true so let me ask you this, and it's okay if you, you um, can't think of one on the spot, but have you seen a place where uh, an emoji has been misunderstood or, or led to a confusion? Have I? Nothing in business. My mom is uh, still newer to the internet. I mean, she's, she's good on the internet now, but in our group chats, she's sent some stuff that was... Uh, well, like, well, what are you trying to communicate? You know, which has right. always been very uh, hilarious for me and my sisters. But nothing in business yet. Um, there's definitely stuff that I think is something and it's not. Like the, you know, for years I thought this was a thank you emoji, but it was praying hands, which is a lot different. Um, I'm pretty basic with mine, though. I use probably like the same five. It's mm -hmm. just kind of like laughing in different forms, crying in different forms. Um, I'm a big gift guy. I like I like gifts a lot too, which is that's probably a separate story. <laughs> but I, I like to tell uh, emotion and feeling through those. I think you can communicate a ton. Um, but I can't really think of a great example other than my mom just using random stuff and being like, "Mom, what the hell are you trying to tell me right now? Yeah. I don't understand." <laughs> yeah, that and and I think you're right. I think that. Um memes gifts is probably like mm -hmm. it will be the sequel to this series yeah. is is that um 
what all of that. Can you means. sign a contract with a gift? <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but I have seen. Um, I think you know the like uh, emoji fails is like a thing you could look up, right? Really? And the most okay. common one is really parents not understanding things. Mm-hmm. Where um, the one that sticks out in my mind was was uh, a mom telling someone, "Hey." your great aunt Susie passed away and then it had like the skull emojis after it. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's not quite the meaning that, yeah, that's a bit much. Yeah. So that's funny. So it, it is something that there is some nuance and, and, um, it takes time to get up to speed. But even like you were saying with the, the, you know, sort of closed hands, whether or not you understood what the intended meaning of it was, it communicated it, it communicated what you were trying to communicate. Like mm-hmm. the, the uh, emotion of that was coming across, which I think is a, a very interesting and unique thing about the use yeah. of emoji. Yeah, I think so. Uh, is there, so turning, you know, kind of kind of bringing us towards our close here, is there anything that you would like our, you know, just general audience to know uh, about emoji, what they should consider about it, how they should look to see it, um, Usually our, our kind of wrap up is what do we expect the future to hold? What do we expect yeah. things to look like down the road? So do you have any uh, insight that you think would be useful to our sort of legal audience here? I mean, if it's in any way unsure, look it up because there's a lot of lewd meetings for, uh, for emojis that you wouldn't know. And my mom learned those, some of those the hard way. Um, Stay away from produce if you can't. Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. It's it, most most vegetables are not what you think they are. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of meaning there. Um, not really. I, I think they've kind of found their level. If this was a couple years ago, having a real gun and not a squirt gun, you know, some of the violent stuff, they definitely had some pushback with uh, the colors of the emoji. Um, one thing that I do is uh, I'm very pale. And I've just always used like the standard orange guy, right? I'm not like trying to fit my thing, but I don't think I'm the audience. I think a lot of people felt represented once they, once they offered shades. So -hmm. there was a lot, I think there's a lot that was done after they made the mistakes. I'm sure there's going to be stuff later, but I think if this was like maybe a couple years ago, including people, the way that they look, you know, like that seemed like such a simple thing. Um, And then the, the violent side of stuff. Like they had like a real gun at the beginning of the iPhone and now, you know, had to get rid of that. So I think that they kind of found their way back from some of the bigger issues. Um, But yeah, just look up what the produce means before you use it. Yeah. Yeah. Solid advice. (laughs) Um, Tim, I thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, incredibly insightful and useful. And, um, can you let people know where to where to find you? Where to? Yeah, just only in CBUS anywhere. O n l y i n c b u s. You know, we're on all the channels, mainly Instagram. The 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 newsletter is called the Scarlet Letter. It comes out Friday mornings. Um, that's like my my I don't want to say pride and joy, but that's the thing that we've really been having a lot of fun with. It it kind of wraps up major news, local news, and then hopefully some information that you may not have heard about, providing some value there. And uh, that's a lot of fun. So that one's called The Scarlet Letter. You can subscribe to that on onlyncbus.com. All right, excellent. Well, thank you again, Tim. And thank you to our viewers and listeners for joining us today. Please make sure to join us for our next installment uh, of this special presentation with the Columbus Bar Association and the Reminger Report podcast. Thank you. Thank you.